Hi, welcome back to Teach English in China podcast. This is episode seven, job search. So, congratulations to those who have listened to all previous six episodes and are coming back for more, because this means that you're really ready to do this. I hope.、Uh, this episode will be discussing、uh, how. You can do your job search. What channels、uh, you can、uh, use, and how to communicate with potential employers. So basically,、uh, there are five main channels for job search that I would recommend. First one is personal referrals. Second one, online job boards. Third one, TESOL or TEFL certification program providers. Fourth one, recruitment agencies, and the last one, contacting schools directly. I've listed these five channels by their easiness to use. So the first one,、uh, which is the most reliable and efficient option, is personal referral. Because as we know,、um, if if there's a referral that comes from somebody that you directly know,、uh, usually they can give you、uh, the true information. Hopefully, that's usually the case. And if they happen to be in that industry already, that would be even more ideal because they can give you firsthand experience and. Most likely, will give you a very honest opinion about everything. However, this may not be available to most people. And after all, the chance of directly knowing someone who's already in China teaching English is not very high for most people. But what you could do is to post a message on your Facebook or whatever other social media you're on. And tell your friends that you are thinking about doing this, and you would welcome any referrals. So for this option, I would、uh, recommend that you only go with、um, uh, referrals that、uh, come from within two layers of your acquaintances, meaning either from your direct friends or your friends' friends. Because if it's beyond that, it may just as well be any random person.、Um, in which case, the level of、uh, trust I think tend to decrease、um, by each layer of uh, uh, relationship. So, if you cannot get any personal referrals, not to worry either. You can try option two, which is online job boards. If you do a Google search or other on、uh, any other search engine with the keywords of English teaching in China or e China EFL jobs, you will be presented with an endless list of websites that claim to have job placements for you. So how do you know which ones can be trusted? 
Well, a simple way of finding out is to go down the list on the search page and click on as many as you can to see which one looks appealing to you. For the sake of not being considered as advertising for any particular website, I will not name any specific websites here, but you can gauge whether or not the site or the company is trustworthy by reading it very, very carefully and thoroughly to see if their information looks professional, systematic, and comprehensive. And how do you know which website might be a scam or at least not professional enough that you should be dealing with? Usually, warning signs are pretty obvious, things like overpromising job placement opportunities, exaggerating the size of compensation packages, and underplaying qualifications needed, etc. These should all make you question its legitimacy immediately. Because basically, if anything sounds too good to be true, 99% of the time that it is not true. Also, payment needed before any contract offer is given is another very obvious cautionary sign. And another way to find more information about possible scams is to search on the internet using keywords like teach English in China or teach in China scams, etc. With this kind of search, usually you can find a lot of discussion on some forums by people who are already doing this uh, in China. The third option is to do your TESOL or TEFL certificate program with a relatively large organization. These large international organizations typically have better resources and more established and therefore are more likely to be able to find a placement for you should you go to them with this need. Again, I'm not going to name any specific organization here, but you can judge which one is better based on its association with any prestigious universities, its presence locally and globally, its academic rigor, its previous participants' reviews of their programs, and their trainers' profiles, etc. Generally speaking, such companies or organizations from the US and UK are more established and have more locations available. Other English-speaking countries don't seem to have as many really well-known organizations of this nature, at least not at this time. The next option is recruitment agencies. Again, like online job boards, there is a large number of uh, recruitment agencies everywhere. And I would strongly recommend that you pay them a visit in their office and ask as many questions as possible. So when you talk to them, get a feeling of how professional their staff seem. 
And again, how can you know if the, the, this agency can be trusted? Same principle as we mentioned before, meaning watching out for any warning signs like promising that you can get any job you want, claiming that no degrees are needed, claiming that thousands of highly paid ESL jobs everywhere in China, or something like putting down $1,000 as deposit now and you'll be guaranteed a job tomorrow, etc. I'm saying this because um, agencies and uh, like the online job boards uh, that I mentioned before, they, they're basically online agencies. They get paid from employers in China when a job offer is made. So they should not be charging you anything directly. The plus side about using an agency is that they often um, do have an assortment of job opportunities, which can save you some time of your own to do the research. Also, good ones will try to look for schools or companies that suit your qualifications and personal preference, generally speaking, that is. Of course, as agencies are driven by profit, sometimes they tend to conceal certain facts uh, from you. Therefore, you need to ask as many questions as you can think of. Um, this is crucially important, as you might have heard me saying this uh, many times. Um, I'll be including a list of questions that you should ask in a later episode in this podcast. Some agencies are based in your own country and some are in China. And actually, many of them work together. So it's usually easier for you to talk to someone at an agency based in your own country, obviously. But if you have to work with an agency in China and find out that the staff um, are not able to converse with you in English very fluently, then it would be the best that you um, communicate with them via email, um, in text, that is. Because in writing, people have more time to think things over, and therefore, uh, communication accuracy is usually much higher. Believe me, this is very important too, because a lot of times uh, miscommunication, uh, misunderstanding can happen a lot um, if uh, it's a quick, uh, fleeting verbal uh, conversation and which could result in the, the uh, deal not being signed or even some sort of conflict. So... Um, but as I mentioned in one of the previous episodes about Chinese culture, um, some Chinese people tend to avoid saying no. So they may say yes to, to you uh, about some things that they cannot really do. And so if anything sounds a little bit of uncertain or fishy based on your intuition, then most likely you're right. And do not be hesitant to ask them to confirm uh, again, and again if necessary. 
But uh, if uh, if there is a um, lot of uncertainty um, that you need to confirm, um, in order to avoid any conflict or face losing for the for the Chinese person that you're speaking to, you can put things as politely as you can and as detailed as you can. So, for example, uh, let's say this is a situation about uh, accommodation that could be provided to you, uh, and the response from the Chinese um, staff was not very clear um, about whether or not it's sharing or not sharing. What you could do is to say something like this. Dear Miss Wang, thank you for getting back to me on my question about accommodation. I understand that it's not always possible to have an apartment to myself. And it would be okay for me to share with someone as long as I have my own bedroom and bathroom. I could share a living room and kitchen with somebody else. So by you clearly stating every detail that you want to, uh, you want the other party to know, like this, you are more likely to get a a straight answer from the Chinese staff. The last option that I listed today is contacting the schools directly. Personally, I actually prefer this one because you know for sure that this is a legitimate job. And this works particularly well with colleges and universities. The reason is that most higher education institutions in China are licensed to hire foreign teachers by themselves, meaning they are able to have, process all the necessary paperwork um, at the government by themselves, whereas many K through 12 schools are not licensed to do that, and therefore they have to use recruitment agencies, and so you have another party to deal with. The office that handles the hiring is usually called Foreign Affairs Office, FAO, as you might have come across in some forums. Many colleges' websites have an English version, and you can see if they've listed any job openings. My suggestion is that even if you do not have, uh, if they they do not show any openings on their website, you can still send an inquiry email. If the city uh, and the school seem to be a good place for you. The reason why you can try this is because many colleges and universities' websites are not updated as timely as they should be. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about communication with any potential employers. Most likely, a lot of the communication is via email. And in your email, I would strongly recommend that you be as polite and professional as possible. I'm saying this really slowly and strongly because this is so important.
and make sure you use the correct capitalization and punctuations and all that. Because for me, for instance, I've seen so many job inquiry emails with all small letters or no separation of paragraphs, etc. And I don't even open up their attachment when I see an email like this. Because it's an indication of the applicant's academic achievement or professionalism. Because if you think about it, this is an English teaching job that we're talking about. If you're not able to or um, you don't have the awareness that in a formal email that you should be using correct punctuations and capitalization, etc. How can I think that you're able to teach my students correctly? The other thing I'll bring up now is that it would expedite the process immensely for you and the potential employer if you include a photo and some personal biographic information on your resume or CV. I know it may not be legal in your country, but this is in China and many employers want to see these. But remember not to use the same set of criteria to judge another country's cultural practices and legal practice is part of the culture. And yes, some employers do discriminate against applicants of certain demographics. It is completely unfair, as I mentioned before, but it is how it is. So by supplying them with this information during this application stage, it would save you the time to go through any further correspondence and interview, etc. if it turns out that they want someone who's married or under a certain age, or of certain ethnic background, etc. Having said that, if you're not an Caucasian, or you're older than 55, or you're of other background that may be deemed as a disadvantage, do highlight your degree, your degree's relevance, that is, and your highly relevant experience in teaching, your understanding of Chinese culture, your passion in teaching, or whatever other personal qualities that would make you seem to be a better fit for the teaching position. And as I mentioned before, if you're a true professional, the spirit will shine through your expressions, be it in written or spoken form. One very effective way to add to your inquiry email is a short video of yourself speaking to the potential employer. Best yet, a five to 10 minute video of your teaching a ESL or EFL class. As I mentioned, you can do this uh, at a place where you can volunteer uh, teach in your own country. And this is many times more powerful than a standard cover letter and resume, which I'll detail in the next episode.
So this concludes the episode. And to summarize everything that uh, we discussed in this episode, um, first point, find the right channel to look for job opportunities based on where you are, who do you know, and how much you know. Two, know the general warning signs for potential scam. Three, be comprehensive when you put through a job inquiry. Four, do not assume anything. Five, be ultra-professional in written and face-to-face communication with an agency or other potential employer. All right, so hopefully this has been helpful to you. Uh, If you have any questions, you can leave me a message on my anchor.fm or Facebook or Instagram page. Just search for Teach English in China and you should be able to find me pretty easily. I do strongly recommend that you try to contact me on the Anchor FM page because it is uh, very easy to use and you can leave voice messages as well as text messages. So thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing any questions or comments from you.